The following is intended for mature audiences only. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis. It is 2 p.m. Saturday, August the 20th, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment. It's great to be back. First show uh, back from the summer break. I had a great time, and just in case you're wondering, I didn't touch anything that resembled work. So I uh, am pretty ready to get back into doing things. Uh, you know, when you do it on such a regular basis, can sometimes it can be you know, a real challenge to try to come up with great material and, and do all of the uh, work necessary to, to get prepared for a show. But I'm pretty excited about it, about being back. And I thank you very much for joining me. I think it's a, um, a great that you believe in enough to show up and support me. So um, while preparing to do today's show, I do my normal thing. I go out, I, I watch videos, I, I do some research. And there were a couple of um, content producers, and, and that's a content producers that I ran across that really gave me pause. So I, I talked about earlier, you know, earlier episodes, how great it is that now more voices can be heard. Well, there, there's always a good side to things happening, and then there's a bad side. There's, I mean, I say bad side, then there's challenges that come about because, you know, things are, are changing. Um, one, I ran across this guy doing a live chat or, or live uh, show, and he made the statement that uh, he was, he was attacking women gaining weight. Um, and he made the statement that, so part of, what was ha what material he brought was that some woman said, you know, that stress eating was a part of, you know, why the women retained weight and, and that, and I understand that. And I don't want to get into the discussion in this show about that, that type of behavior. But uh, one of the things that he said was uh, the guy who's, whose show it was, he said, um, women's stress or women's um, um, trauma is usually in the home and men's trauma is usually outside the home and that men get over their trauma much easier than women. Of course, my ears perked up. I didn't, I wanted to know where he got that information from. Um, and it didn't seem right at all. And so, uh, you know, there's the text in the live feed. So I typed in, you know, where did you get this information? And he never addressed it. And, and, and that's okay. I understand that. But, you know, for him to say that, um, it has not been my experience that anyone that I have talked to in the mental health field, and I have talked to several, and I have uh, good friends that are in the a good friend who is in the medical, uh, the mental health uh, arena, that that this kind of information is true. Now, it's quite possible. Um, 
he wasn't speaking about trauma. He was speaking about challenges. So, you know, guys may get into a fight and they may blow it off. That's not trauma. Trauma is something more long-term, more lasting, and more damaging. Um, and so it could be that this person was confusing terminology, but the fact that, you know, if you're putting on a show, I, it, I think it's imperative that if you've got listeners, that you make that extra effort to ensure that what you're saying that your words matter, that you don't confuse techno um, confuse ideologies and, and things like that. And it happens. And, and, but it just led me to understand that, you know, this is this freedom of, you know, pr pr producing content, you know, has its um, darker side. It has its ability to be more damaging than it is um, uplifting and enlightening. Um, I don't remember the guy's name. I, I'm not trying to, to point out who it is. I'm not trying to, to, um, in any way diminish his voice, but I, I think it's important that if you're going to talk about something that you at least have done, you know, quite a bit of research, as much research as reasonable and that that you strive to present uh, information as best you can and not just uh, try to make your point or be uh, influential in, in, in the conversation that's going on as a public conversation. Because, you know, talking about uh, weight and, and women's weight and, and, and that whole mental health issue is something that we as a society deal with. And so we have to make sure that we're having an honest conversation and as best informed as possible. Now, um, if I look back at, you know, shows like, um, Mari Povich and, um, oh, I can't think of the late night guy where, um, you know, they, every night there was a fight and pushing people, pushing and shoving. It has always been that, uh, there are provocateurs. People not necessarily, intent on finding solutions to problems, uh, getting information that's going to be helpful, but just to, to, for self-promotion. And one of the, the people that I ran across, because uh, I mentioned there were two people that I listened to, one of them was just like that. They um, looked at uh, Serena Williams' uh, retirement speech, picked out one tiny issue. And rather than examining the issue objectively, um, they just tried to make points and ignored most of the, com the content that was in the article. And so I understand the desire to um, use something to just make your point. Um, but I think it can be damaging when you don't attempt to um, tell more of the story than just your point of view. Again, that's just my take on it. Uh, I'm one guy with a microphone, and um, 
the beauty of the whole system is, is that, you know, everybody can have a microphone and tell their, their side of the story and, and um, present their arguments. And so hopefully uh, I can at least get people to get someone who previously didn't do more research, who didn't uh, take a, a more measured approach at the language that they use to at least re-examine and try to um, be conscious of the, the words that they use, the ideas that they put forward. If I, if I can impact just one person, then, then I will consider at least the, the little time that I've uh, given to that to be a huge success. Anyway, today's uh, topic is going to be about comedy. One of the um, hot button issues, I want to say hot button, one of the uh, issues facing our society is, you know, what is the role of comedy? Uh, should we give comedy a pass on some things? Um, and so, so I want to examine that a little bit. So, so first, as I see comedy, there are, there are people who, who don't have a sense of humor. They, they absolutely don't get most jokes um, and try to block other people from enjoying different brands of humor. Everyone doesn't have the same brand of humor. Everyone, some people like dry humor. Some people like um, uh, sarcastic humor. And there are different comedians that fit those different needs. Um, and there are people who just, you know, I don't want to say don't know how to laugh. They just, they, they don't suspend their traditional behavior in order to enjoy comedy. And, and a lot of times enjoying comedy requires that you sometimes suspend some of your more uh, baser instinct to, you know, for, for what you think is right or wrong. Um, the nature of a comedian, and, and this is, this is pretty much my understanding. Comedians do what they do because they're trying to get a laugh. For them, for a comedian, laughter is like food. It's what they exist on. It's, it becomes their personality. It becomes who they are. So, so they strive to be humorous. Now, um, not all the time do they stop and think, is that politically correct? Or, you know, is that going to go over well with the audience? It is their brand of humor. It is their, you know, what they see as humorous. And they try to bring that to um, the people around them because it's a way of examining uh, an I, an, a subject or, um, you know, what's going on in the world and put a spin on it that, you know, can be, allows people to laugh at themselves and to see that, you know, that in our seriousness to be, you know, great human beings, we do some silly things, you know. Uh, some people like slapstick humor. I'm not a slap, I'm not as much of a slapstick humor a lover. Um, I don't do a lot of uh, body fluid jokes. I, I don't care for a lot of body fluid jokes. Um, but I understand that that's, 
That's my humor choice. That's my choice in humor. So when dealing with a comedian that's, uh, you know, extremely into body fluid jokes, I recognize that that's not going to be something that I'm going to enjoy a lot of. And so I tend to avoid. But I recognize what the comedian is trying to do. The comedian is really trying to um, bring laughter and, and, and they, they're trying to get people to see the images that they see in their head. So their, their humor is going to be informed by their ideologies, by what they believe is, is funny and what they believe is not funny or, or what is um, ridiculous. Uh, because usually it's, they take a, a, a topic or they take an, a, a subject and they present it in a way that highlights or that shines uh, an inordinate amount of attention to something that is ridiculous about it. And that's, and that's how you know it's comedy. Um, one of the things that we've recently dealt with in society is people not being able to separate comedy from the comedian. And here's what I mean. So they look at the comedian's life and they say, you know, that comedy, that the comedy that the, the comedian is presenting is an attempt to influence, um, to, to, to make political statements. And, and I, I don't agree with that. Um, when you say that a comedian is, is a liberal comedian or a conservative comedian, you're trying to say that they're pushing an agenda. And again, I go back to the, the, the comedian is trying to get a laugh. Now, does that mean that there aren't comedians trying to push an agenda? Absolutely. Uh, does the comedian not have a point of view? Well, of course they do, but, but their comedy has to be informed by something. It has to, um, it has to start someplace and for them to see the absurdity in the situation to provide uh, them with the material to, to move their comedy forward. So, um, I don't tend to try to put um, political ideology behind the comedian. Now, what I found, uh, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, is a little troubling. So, so John Stewart um, did the Daily Show, and um, a lot of the things that, or a lot of the people, called his audience liberal and that kind of stuff. Um. And, and John Stewart, you know, went on Fox news and he talked about, um, what he does, why he, you know, why he does what he does. And, and I think anybody that understands comedy understands that the comedian is about getting a laugh and that they'll say pretty much anything to get that laugh because that's, that's what they're trying to achieve. And, 
when we start turning it into a political football, then we eliminate the comedy and we make it all about trying to influence people. And I don't think comedians, it's difficult to open your mouth and say something and not be attempting to influence people. But comedians don't do that as a primary reason for saying what they say. They say what they say because they think it's funny. They think you can get a laugh from it. They think that they have a a humorous way to look at a situation that may um, we may not have had um, be able to see humor in any other way. And so some people have challenged the idea that comedy should be open to and allowed to examine ideas without the pressure or without the oversight of political leanings. And the difficulty that I have with that is if we, we as adults should be able to have conversations about every topic under the sun. There should be no sacred cows. There should be no conversations that cannot be had, but that's not how we tend to operate. And right now, comedy, unfortunately, is the only way we can have some conversations. Comedy does, it it brings up, because of the examinations that comedians do and present their ideas, present their comedy, we get to look at situations differently. If we place restrictions on comedy and how, what kind of comedy you can present, what we effectively do is we eliminate the last vestige of examination of uh, open examination of ideas because we don't tend to do that in any other forum. We don't tend to do that in any other way. And, and so some people get offended. I, I cannot think of a reason why an an adult should be offended by words. Being angry is not offended. And if you want to be angry, that's one thing. If you, if you want to be, um, insulted, that's, that's fair enough. You know, if I, if I'm, uh, demeaning you in some way with my comedy, it can be insulting, but to be offended, um, I, I, I just find that hard to, um, to see when, when you understand that the individual who's presenting the comedy is not attempting to offend you, is not attempting to ins- necessarily insult you, um, but is just presenting ideas in their own unique perspective 
which allows you to examine their perspective. And then if you disagree with that, you can reject that. But to to get offended and then try to keep that person from, from, from having a perspective that they can share um, seems to be troubling uh, to me. And, and that's where, you know, people without a sense of humor or, or uh, have other nefarious intentions can come into play that impacts the, the system as a whole. I want to say system as a whole society. So we don't have a forum where any topic can be discussed, which means that there are some topics that never get addressed in a rationed, reasoned way. They are handled or resolved or, or um, go through um, society in a, um, where it's never really addressed it's so like we've we don't have a solid accepted definition of pornography when does pornography become art when does art become pornography when does um, nudity become freedom of speech we've never talked about that we've never um, put some kind of boundaries around it. So, um, so there's always this opportunity for someone to stand up and say, I'm offended by that. And then it causes a shift in the behavior of the rest of society to either, um, join that or, um, push back against that. And then we, have a little bit of a discussion um, and, and we go back to this whole cycle. So, so it'll flare up. Um, we have a little bit of a discussion, nothing is resolved. And then we go back to what we had before. And so I have always been an advocate of, I'm not saying that we can have hard and fast rules about what pornography is. But what we can have is a general framework of what we believe to be pornography and what we believe to be art and what we believe to be expression. And by at least doing that, we're not blown by the wind. It doesn't, it's a reasoned understanding. It's a reasoned, um, uh, recognition of what is now, if we need, and, and like anything that you put into place, you always have to go back, um, periodically. And if, if you've got new information that will change your definition or change your mode of thinking about it and incorporate that, but by never having the discussion, by never addressing that directly, we never get to that point where it's, it's fairly settled. 
Now, some people think that that's a good thing, that we don't, you know, give it, uh, and that, and that we constantly are in a state of flux, because then a bad definition doesn't take hold and take forever to um, flush from the minds of people so that we can implement a, a better and fairer definition. Um, I think that there's a different way to handle that in that we understand that um, that the definition can be revisited, but that because we've done a reasoned and um, thought, thoughtful um, understanding of the definitions that we use and the, the outlines that we put into place, because we've done that, um, we know that if there's new information, we can measure it against what we have. And then if we um, find that there are changes that need to be made, then we can make the changes. And the difficulty with that is, is that there are people who don't like to change. And we see that they, they don't accept change. They don't, you know, once they have something, it, it becomes, um, they become unmalleable on that because it requires, I'm going to say because it requires, possibly having the, the discussion again and, you know, a re-examination um, re requires more energy than, than, than they'd like to have. They would just prefer to have a, a definition and stick with that. Uh, again, I just think um, not moving on something does not make it right. It does not make it um, beneficial for the group. Um, we do learn things as we go through life. We've, you know, we've, we've, scientific, you know, scientific science has taught us things that we didn't know before. Um, if we were still under the assumption that the earth is flat and there are people who are still under the, the uh, work under the premise that the earth is flat. Um, it, it slows technological advancements. It, it slows the ability to meet people where they are, um, changing things that, you know, for the better be because we refuse to accept um, how things have changed. So get, you know, getting back to um, comedy, understanding, you know, what is comedy, why the com, com, uh, com the comedy comedian uh, does what they do, gives us abilities to either, you know, when a comedian says something to go, okay, we understand that that's comedy and that the intent was uh, to make a joke, but that the underlying uh, material and and the, the jokes, uh, comedians take on it can be a source of a change or a change agent in society. Case in point, um, Hannibal Burris. 
um, there was a situation where um, for a long period of time, society ignored um, a potential problem. And if, if Hannibal Burris had been not allowed to make his, his take on that situation, making a comedic take on the situation, it's quite possible that we still would not have addressed that issue. So the idea here is by allowing examinations, we can address issues. Um, I understand, it, say in the case of, uh, um, oh shoot, I forgot her name. Um, it was on, uh, it was on top of my tongue a few moments ago. Um, the young lady that uh, told the, uh, held up held up the severed head and you know, made a joke about Trump. Um, while it was, while it may have been distasteful to many, the fact that it was, it was intended as humor should have given us an opportunity to either just laugh at the humor or just move on. It's not, it's not the humor for you. But again, what we want to do many times is attach to the comedian things that the comedian is not trying to do. Yes, uh, she may not like have liked Donald Trump and her, her humor may have been um, a bit caustic to some, but it was still... T- it, meant as humor, I cannot believe, I can say I cannot believe, I, I do not believe that her intent was to have someone go and try to sever the head of the President of the United States. Um, and so by, by acknowledging that humor is humor and it is intended for laughs, it allows us to, again, address issues in a different manner in a different ideology, which we do not do at this time in any other form, period. In any other public forum. And um, so, so, so I see humor as a way to not be so serious about ourselves, you know, being able to laugh at ourselves, being able to laugh at um, that we as humans are frail and we do fall down steps and we do get hit in the face with pies. And, um, you know, we make mistakes in speech that, that can be humorous, but if we, um, say that those things can't be material for comedy means that we take ourselves too seriously. And, and that has to be um, much worse than being able to laugh at a, uh, not laugh at a joke that you don't like. 
Um, one of the things that I had ta have talked about, um, so John Stewart was accused of wanting to be a political player. And, and John Stewart said, that's not what he wanted to do. And at the time, I'm sure that was how he felt. And I understand that um, people change. And maybe um, through the course of his comedy and people looking up to him, he thought he could do more good if he became an activist, if he um, got into the public arena. I don't have a problem with that, but I think he still does it as a comedian. And I think that continues to hurt the argument that comedians do it for the laugh. Um, he's gotten, you know, um, real active in supporting the military and trying to lobby Congress. So he's become basically a lobbyist. Um, but he also is still doing comedy. And what I would like to see in that instance is for him and comedians of his ilk, of that, you know, upper echelon of comedians, make clear distinctions when they, when they, that they are no longer a, com a comedian. So, so I like to tell jokes. I like to tell jokes with my friends. But I don't try to make a living as a comedian. Some people was going to say I probably couldn't. And, that, and that, that's a fair assessment. But if you're going to be, I think if you're going to be an activist, you make it clear that whatever humor you use is just a tool for your activism and not that you're not trying to make a living as a comedian and an activist because I think you hurt the art form. Now, I, I'd be interested to hear what a comedian in that at that level um, would think of that. Uh, maybe they think that, that there's a way to protect the integrity of comedy while being a political player or political activist. I, at this particular point, don't see how that's possible because, again, there are, are lots of people who um, don't find particular, some brands of comedy as funny. And if you are, one of those comedians and you're not funny to them and you're being an activist or you are supporting an issue or a cause, um, it, it opens up the opportunity to, you know, say that you're using your comedy to influence, to use an outsized influence in the political sphere. And so, and so it would be interesting to see um, somebody, uh, someone else's take on that. Oh, yeah, there we go.
Hold on a second. I need to, I forgot. All right. So anyway, I don't know what happened here. One of the, one of the docs I have in the, the interface using for the, for the podcast, I have comments. I, I didn't realize that I didn't have the, the, the comment section open. So to see if the, if someone had made comments. Anyway, alrighty. Having come back, I overlooked that. And I'll have to, so if you've made a comment, uh, I'm, I apologize. I don't have my comment window open, so I can't see if you have or have not made comments. And so I will try to address them later at another time. Anyway, um, so so one of the things that, all right, one of the things. Um, so over the past, uh, I don't know, week or so, a couple of weeks maybe, um, I wanted to uh, also I, I didn't at the time talk about uh, the slap, um, Will Smith slapping um, Chris Rock. So first I'd like to say Chris Rock has set the bar for manhood very, very high. There are, are a lot of, and you know, it, it was talked about by quite a few people how would they have handled, you know, someone walking up on stage um, and slapping them because of something that they said? Um, Chris Rock's behavior was um, just, just awesome. Just, you know, Go on, you know, not react emotionally, um, but to carry on as, as a, you know, a professional and get through the situation. Um, it would have been great if Will Smith would have said, I have a problem with what you're saying um, after the show. Address the situation man-to-man in a forum face-to-face. Putting uh, Chris Rock in a position to determine whether he's going to be physical in in the resolution versus diplomatic in the resolution on stage at that time was, I think, a a very... um, difficult situation and I have to commend him for his actions in, you know, not getting immediately angry. I don't know all of the, I've read some things about, 
um, the relationship between Will Smith and Chris Rock. But, you know, the, the papers are only going to have so much. We don't know every word that was exchanged between the two gentlemen prior to that incident. But, you know, that incident came to a head uh, and, and, and Chris Rock did. He, it was, he was the ultimate man. Um, uh, testosterone-driven behavior and emotional behavior could have had that situation escalate to something really crazy, but it but it didn't. And so, um, I, I really commend him on that. Um, I understand Will Smith um, wanted to maybe felt really bad about doing what he did. But, but I think he compounded the problem. So he's reached out to Chris Rock on several occasions, and Chris Rock is not ready to talk to him about it and let him know. And that was face-to-face, handling the situation man-to-man. Um, then, Chris, then Will Smith went out and put out a public video that, hey, I have reached out to you, Chris, um, and whenever you want to talk, I'm here to talk. Again, that puts the onus on Chris to resolve the situation when I don't think Chris was responsible for the problem in the first place and should not be held responsible in any way for the resolution. If Will has reached out to him on several instances and Chris has decided he's not ready to confront this face to face, I think as the I think you you have to step back and allow that man to to reach out to you when he's ready to have that conversation and not make it seem like he's the one that's holding up progress on resolving the situation. Um, It appears Chris Rock does not want to handle his business in public. And I think, you know, I don't know what it's like to be at that level of public scrutiny. I can only imagine why he would not want to have his business handled in the public sphere. Uh, Many times I've heard celebrities talk about how news articles, um, reporters have lied or have misreported something. And so, you know, if you've been burned once or twice or more, you are probably less likely to try to resolve your issues in the public or in the public sphere. There are people who, um, whose hold lives are played out in, in front of a camera. Um, and there are people which I've heard a lot of comedians talk about how they're not, um, you know, when they're not in front of a camera, they're, 
they stay within themselves. And so because their livelihood requires them to be in front of a camera doesn't mean that they want their entire life uh, played out in front of a camera, that they want to retain some level of control over the information um, presented about them um, is handled. And so, um, again, I think Will Smith, you know, putting out there that, hey, I've, I've reached out to Chris and it's on Chris now, um, I, I think it was a bad play. Um, I think I think it made it seem as though Chris is responsible for fixing the problem. Um, uh, so hand if there's a to me a slight pattern here. Um, the initial problem wasn't handled face to face in a in a man to man setting, and once the the problem was out there, the resolution wasn't handled in a man-to-man, face-to-face way. Um, I and I and I get it. You know, when you've when you screwed up and you know you screwed up, the idea is is that I want to be able to apologize to you. I want to feel better about myself because I feel horrible. Um, and I want to be able to at least stand in your face, say I'm sorry, and then find some resolution from you that absolves me from what I'm feeling. And and I don't think it's fair to put that on uh, Chris Rock to absolve you, to absolve you know a man for doing something wrong to another man. I think you have to live with that. You you did the, the deed. You made the mistake and you live with it. And if that person chooses to, to interact with you regarding that, um, then that's entirely up to that individual. And that doesn't make them less of a, a um, generous person because they have not chosen to to meet your schedule or your deadline for uh, absolution. Um, by not doing it on your time schedule, it may cause you to think the next time so that this doesn't happen. Because if it had happened before, if if this, so the next time um, a Will Smith or a Will Smith type is feels that they have been, you know, wronged in the public space by a joke or whatever, they, because of the prior experience of, you know, doing something that has that negative internal impact, they would be more likely to tread a little softer in uh, doing something as aggressive as, you know, walking up and slapping someone or, you know, standing up and, and um, you know, making some type of negative comment. Um, because, you know, just as he got up and walked over and, 
and hit Will Smith, I mean, or hit Chris Rock, he could have just said, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't talk about my wife or I'd like to talk to you afterwards. I think that's, that's a bad thing also because it implies that, that you're going to get physical in front of a bunch of people. But I think, you know, again, um, I have not been in those situations. I, I have not faced that kind of pressure, that kind of expectation. And so, and so I have to limit myself to um, what I think may be the case. And so I, I am, am glad I'm not either one of the gentlemen. Um, I, I commend Chris Rock. I don't know for sure how I would have handled that. I'd like to think I would be as much of a man as he was, but I most certainly um, take take my absolute hat off to him. And um, he showed me something about his integrity, about him as a man. Um, and so I, and so I, I definitely, um, you know, take my hat off to him. So, um, Kathy Griffin, Kathy Griffin. Um, I also have a lot of respect for Kathy Griffin. She was the, the young lady that did the severed head thing. And, and I don't, I don't, um, one of the things I tend to try to do is recognize you know, when someone is making a living at being a comedian, um, at that particular point, I, my mind goes to whatever they're doing is an intent to find a joke. Now, um, even if they're angry, and she might've been angry when she did what she did, but even if she's angry, she, her intent was to find the joke. Um, and sometimes pushing the limits, pushing the edges of finding a joke is a good thing. It may be difficult to swallow. It may be difficult for us who are not the comedian to, um, to join them in that arena but as long we don't have to, I don't have to find her humor funny. I don't have to find, I don't have to find her joke acceptable. As long as I recognize it is a joke, I let it go. Or if I have a comment, I'd say, I'm not trying to stop that person from being a comedian, for telling their jokes, for, for examining things the way that they do. I may at least um, comment that I think that the joke, it fell flat for me, and this is why it fell flat for me. But allow that person, their sense of humor, um, to share the information that they have. I would like to see us as a society find um, more opportunities to examine things um, than we do. Um, comedy should not be the only place that we have adult conversations. We tend not to have adult conversations. We tend to avoid things. It, it, we have a society of an avoidance. We only deal with it when it bites us. When we absolutely 
have no other choice but to deal with the situation, that's when we deal with it. Um, so, so I don't tend to on this, this show, I don't tend not to try to use a lot of humor. I, I, I realize that that could make it dry. Um, but I, I'm, I don't want to be perceived as being an entertainer. Um, and I've made this, this statement before, and, and I'll reiterate the fact that comedians are presenting news to me is bad for our society. News should do news. Comedy should do comedy. And when a comedian does newsy comedy, it can be a way to re-examine an issue that we need to re-examine. So news reports the facts of the situation. Um, commentary, you know, commenters, political commenters, or news um, pundits uh, have their way of looking at material or a situation or an occurrence in our society and they examine it from that aspect and comedians examine it from that aspect. And I think that gives us more ways to look at something rather than narrowing our ability to see things in a different light. Um, the attempt to politicize comedy is an attempt to cut off a source of inspection of an idea. And I, I don't think it benefits us as a society to cut off inspection of any idea. Uh, and just because it was intended to be funny doesn't mean it can't be also informative and uh, provide opportunities for us to uh, gain knowledge. So, um, again, I, you know, comedy is comedy. Uh, hopefully we will get to a point of where we accept comedy for what it is, uh, an attempt to be funny, uh, but also understand that, that we can gain from that um, and grow. Uh, I've just found it interesting that we actually choose part of our society chooses not to grow, chooses not to find the best in us and, and make that a part of our everyday life that, that they don't want better. They, they just want, adequate because most times it's just um, let's stay where we are regardless of if there's a better way to do things. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. I will be back next Saturday. I'm going to talk about corruption. At least I think that's what I'm going to do. Uh, that is my intent right now. But if I get something to uh, supplant that, then I will probably make that known. 
Um, you can find the podcast on, um, at least you should be able to find it on um, most platforms where you get um, your audio podcast. And uh, it's on YouTube and on um, Spotify in the video format. So make sure you look for that. Any of your comments that you think would help make the situation or help make the show better, I am always open to that. Uh, I, again, want to uh, be engaged. So, you know, uh, I will fix the uh, situation of the chat. Uh, but, um, you know, I'd love to have you. Uh, you can leave um, voice comments on Anchor. So you can find me on Anchor. All of the links is necessary are on the website. Um, and make sure that, you know, you have, uh, make your comments. I, so I've seen other people's comments sections and I realize that, that people make comments that, that they think are going to be helpful. And then there are people that just make comments to be insulting. Um, hopefully you are working to better the conversation. Um, and, and I would appreciate those comments. Um, have a great day and I'll be back next week. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares and comments so please like share and comment on this and other episodes of altitude adjustment because it matters and as always look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you